Welcome to the podcast, Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where I connect authors with their readers. We also talk all about the author's inspiration, their journey to publication, and the authors will educate me and you, the listener, all about the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter, also known as The Author's Librarian. This episode of Authors of the Pacific Northwest is proudly sponsored by Publisher Rocket. Publisher Rocket will help you get your book in front of more Amazon shoppers so you can spend less time marketing and more time writing. I highly endorse Publisher Rocket because it helps you to find keywords, it defines competition categories, and it even helps you with developing Amazon ads. I use Publisher Rocket for my first book and it helped me get it ranked into some of the top rankings for its categories. So if you want to learn more about how to use or get Publisher Rocket, check out my show notes and there's a link right there for you. Now let's get to the show. Hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And I have the privilege of introducing you to Gigi Keller. So Gigi, say hello to everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Gigi Kellner with Kellner, an N. That's all right. going to mess it up. So you all, that's your pen name, right? So what is, we were talking about this before I hit record. So tell us what your, your name is, or if you want to go kind of into your pen name a little bit, share that with us. <laughs> I go by uh, my my pen name is G G Kellner, and there my, the G G is our initials uh, for Gail Gladys. <laughs> Thank ah. you, Mom, for that lovely name. <laughs> Wonderful. And, <laughs> and Gigi also uh, has been picked up uh, by the grandkids uh, for Grandma Gail. So I love that. I love that. We were just chatting too before we started. So listeners, by the time you hear this, I'm sure you've already. heard will know, but um, we had our first granddaughter um, two months early. And so my grandmother name is Bippy. And that's because my brother, when I was little, he was two, he couldn't pronounce my name, Vicky. So my family name, my whole life was Bippy. And then when I got married, I'm like, yeah, at 19, I'm like, I don't want to be called Bippy anymore. So I made everybody stop calling me Bippy until grandkids came. And I'm like, that's the perfect grandmother name. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. Wonderful to have a grandmother name. It is. I like it better than grandma. So you're a Gigi to your grandchildren. Yes. Uh (laughs) That's awesome. Well, that tends to be my world right now. So, um, but I won't deviate too much on that on the podcast today, but it's been quite a delight. So Gigi, tell us a little bit about yourself for my listeners. First, let's start off. Where are you located in the Pacific Northwest? Well, I, I live on Vashon Island. Um, some of you may be familiar with that. It sits between Seattle and Tacoma and the Salish Sea. And um, I actually live in a house um, on a hillside overlooking overlooking that very sea that's been in my family now for well over 100 years and five generations. I dream. I love Vashon Island. Absolutely love it. Um, and I have always visioned moving somewhere by water, you know, in that kind of area or in the sound somewhere uh, where you have to overlook and you, well, you have to overlook your view is the water, right? So right. how wonderful your home is in the family that long. That's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was actually built uh, before there were island uh, before there were roads on the island. So oh, yeah. you can actually only get to it by water or by walking now uh, down a, a long boardwalk. So it's, it's a, a really unique and special place and an interesting place to sit and 
watch the world and think about think about things to come. Yeah, exactly. So were your family, were they original um, farming? Was that farming in the area? No, you know, uh, there was a lot of farming on the island um, back in the day. Um, my family, they actually uh, commuted between the um, Seattle, from Seattle on a boat called the Virginia Five. Some of our listeners may have heard of that boat, very famous in this area. Um, and it would come uh, twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And my my grandfather and my great-grandmother, my mother as a child, all of them traveled this way. It was before there was a Washington State ferry system. Oh, that's so very cool. I love that history. I'm obviously history buff, as you can tell. <laughs> um, an old home buff. We Our home that we're in, in here in Longview, will be going to its 100-year anniversary in um, in 24. So it was one of the original ones that was um, built when they did this planned city in the area. So that's what I'm going to be working on here very soon is the continuation of that book um, that I, I'm going to write a historical fiction about this whole area. So, so that's oh my. what my goal is. So I'd love to hear the stories and old homes just really give that feeling of wanting to know the history about what's going on. Right. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't say that we've, our families own this home, but we hope to pass the home down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to yours. Mm-hmm. So have you always been an author or do you have a backstory <laughs> before well, authoring? <laughs> <laughs> my book, uh, Hope, A History of the Future, uh, is, my, is my first novel. I have been a writer for a long time, particularly on, on every um, IRS tax form I can remember I always write poet <laughs> maybe it's just to lower their expectations yeah, or I maybe no money <laughs> it's my it's or it's my highest aspiration uh, <laughs> exactly. a little bit of both but yeah I I've had a number of my essays published in collections of in books um, and a number of poems published but this is the first time I've written a, a novel and published it so very yeah, exciting hope, hope a history of the future is a has been about a project of about five years in the in the in the writing. So I'm very excited to have it come out. In, that in- gives me hope because as you and I were talking, I'm four years into the podcast and I still don't have my historical fiction book out. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I spend so much time working on the podcast and helping other authors, but that's okay. Um, so that's good to know. So tell us a little bit about your um, inspiration for this particular book. The one that we are going to talk about is um, the book that you have published and by the, it comes out here in mid-April. So I'm hoping that this podcast kind of times with that. So again, tell us the title because I might've missed that part of it. So it's called Hope, A History of the Future. And it's a story uh, that spans seven generations and it envisions uh, a peaceful, just, verdant, sustainable future world that could arise out of today's crises. And it's based in both scientific projections as well as historical and legal precedents, which I include in the back of the book. So it, 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 you know, it grapples with um, questions of destiny, responsibility, and hope for a future world. Um, but it is also a novel. because I think it's a fun way to, to learn uh, and fun way to, to think about, the world sometimes is in in the um, form of a story. So uh, a history book from the future falls out of time and place and into the home home of the Denzel family. And 
and they gradually uncover with the help of a mystical cat, Plato. You see, there's a cat on the cover, so there must be a black cat, cat in the story. <laughs> Plato, Plato is the one of the main characters, uh, and he's a little bit of a trickster, magical character. And as this history, uh, he he kind of helps uh, the members of the family uncover the story of Gabe, Mia, Ruth, and a little girl without a name. So it's a oh. saga of adventure, endurance, romance mystery and hope so fantastic well your cat picture looks just like my cat jack <laughs> who is <laughs> i would not say mystical but he is a troublemaker <laughs> <laughs> he's always getting into something <laughs> as think, most cats are as most i think so are. i think black cats are very much um uh even more so sometimes uh, <laughs> so Gigi, what is i mean because that's a huge breath of um Almost everything, you know, there's like, you're, you're doing history, you're foreshadowing future. Um, how did you come up with this? Did it start in a dream? Was it something that you just thought of? Did you do some research and then you're like, oh, this is the best storyline. How did it all come about? Because it sounds like it takes a, across several genres. It really does. And that's actually been a little bit of a tricky thing about getting the book out into the world is just what genre does it fall into thick, uh, you know, speculative fiction, a fantasy. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of its own, you know, because of the strong um, factual uh, base of it, it, it doesn't, I call, I've made up a word because there wasn't one. I call it, I call it faction. <laughs> so I it's love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but the story, uh, the idea for the story or the the need for the story is what I was aware of first. I was an educator for most of my professional life and um, and my students as well as my adult children, I began to hear them talk about the future with such hopelessness, with such a sense of dread and apprehension. And I thought, you know, the world needs a story out of the mess we're in. So I actually quit my job. Um, wow! Into my tiny retirement account, moved way up north into the San Juans to a tiny little cabin with just a wood stove and an outhouse, and I I I worked to write the first draft of Hope: A History of the Future um, uh, up there. So it's how long did that, you stay up there? Well, it ended up being longer than I first intended. I'm a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit of a, a, a gypsy at heart, though yeah. I have this old home that I hang on to. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I share it with a number of family members and um, and friends who who live here as well. So that's that's great. So I'm able to leave sometimes. That's very um, nice. Yeah. And uh, I was up there for about four years. Yeah. Was, as I complete, I completed the novel. There. Oh, you're living, my, you lived my dream. That is totally, I mean, if I didn't have my husband and kids and dogs, I would be in a cabin in the San Juan Islands with just a typewriter. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> no computer. I would, you know, come out sometime, you know, to, to be back in the real world. But that is such a cool thing. I, I haven't heard of anybody actually doing that. So that's very cool. And that's brave that you, you know, decided to go ahead and just go for it. Because the number one thing I feel like takes up authors' um, creativity is time and demands on the time. Stories can't get out because we're doing everything else. <laughs> Absolutely. It, and, and it was a very conscious choice to make time to write the story. I felt so compelled as I, you know, looked at the science, 
looked at the state of the world, uh, the need I felt for the story was so strong. It was worth it. Um, even though, you know, it, it took me out of regular life and regular income for a number of years. Um, that's okay. Even if I don't make a penny on it, I am okay. I've, I've completed my, my, um, desire, which was to, to, to write a story of hope, to, to maybe turn the, turn things a little in the way that we think about them. Goodness, don't we need it now, right? I mean, you wrote it, you (laughs) did you write it pre-pandemic? Oh yeah, I did, which is, which, yeah, quite, it was, I actually started it and began outlining it in 2016. And so I, I had, it had become pretty clear to me, um, that where things were headed and I wanted to, I wanted to participate in that conversation and honestly to hope to nudge the world to more peaceful, just burden future society. So that would be so wonderful. Oh, I just think that's beautiful. So I'm glad you came on because, you know, we're coming to the kind of end uh, or so we think the end of the pandemic, but it has been rough on everybody. Um, I haven't, I work with students, um, as my listeners know, I work with adult students online, I have for 10 years, and the last three years have been the rough, the roughest journey I've had with students and with myself and with my family, even so, um, so I totally appreciate that you got this out. So did it come out? And so it's coming out post, we are going to say post pandemic. (laughs) So when you approached, so you're traditionally published, correct? I, I I went with a hybrid publisher because I had strong feelings of keeping a lot of control mm-hmm, of the book. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of research and decided that was the best way to maintain as much uh, um, creative control as I could. Yeah, I love that. I love the hybrid model so much because I just, uh, this last year I did self-publishing because I wanted to know what it was about. I wanted to see how much work it was. It's a whole Heck of a lot of work. <laughs> um, all, I should, all of it's a lot of work. All of it's a lot of work, right? Um, but the hybrid model sounds really interesting to me now because I'm like, oh man, it would be nice to hire some people to help me do things. <laughs> well, I think that's the biggest thing is that you, with the hybrid model, you have a team of professionals who are in the publishing world. And, yeah. and the particular publisher I'm with, Spark Press, um, you know, they have access to to distribution channels that as a, as a independent, um, if you self-publish, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have access to. They're great. I've had a lot of, um, spark press authors on the podcast. So, um, yeah. And, and your, your publicist has always come and given me great authors. So I appreciate it. And I just, I marvel at the idea of, cause I've done so much with the podcast and writing on my own that I'm like, you know, it might be when I do get my book finally done, I might go hybrid just so that I can take some of that pressure off. So that's very cool. So you, you talked a little bit that you did the outlining first, because a lot of my listeners are working on novels or ideas, or they're aspiring. They're also readers. So we're going to get into that part of it, but kind of walk us through how it worked for you. Was it um, an outline and then you just went for it and you ran with it? Did you, (laughs) how did it go for you? (laughs) Well, I, I took, an entire wall of a, of a, a room and I covered it with butcher paper. And then I started drawing out, like imagine my arm with a big arcing line and I'm drawing out the story arcs. And there are three stories that intertwine in, in hope, a history of the future, my novel that's coming out. And so I, I was able to 
draw the draw it out in large form. And I'm an artist by um, many years, longer than I've been a, a writer. Really, I've been a, a painter and and an artist. So seeing something visually really made sense to me. So that really helped. And then I had all kinds. I'm also <laughs> inclined towards sticky notes and oh, little pieces too. of paper <laughs> and thoughts that come in the middle of the night or on a walk. It's scribbled on a napkin in a restaurant. So I had literally hundreds of scenes, characters, ideas for um, uh, how the story might end, how it might begin. And so I took all of those and I taped them on that giant story line. So it was a really fun way. It was a really fun way to, to organize the, the book. I love it. You're, you're, you're tactile, you're visual. I'm the same way and I haven't done that yet. And I'm thinking that when I take this break to start working on the book, I'm going to do that because I have a beautiful studio and I have plenty of wall space and I have, I'm a sticky note queen. When I moved jobs <laughs> uh, 10 years ago, that's what they gifted me was packs of sticky notes because I was everywhere in the office. And so I, that sounds really appealing to me. So I might take your trick. Um, did, you oh, take absolutely. A, did you take Please. a picture of it? So at least you had it. I, I not only have a picture of it somewhere, but I, um, I actually saved it. It's rolled up now, oh, I love that. but yeah. it, it is saved in the back of the closet. You know, I thought, well, someday mm. it'd be fun to pull it out and look at that. See how, you know, see the beginnings of something and the progress to the end, to the end pro product at some point. And it is such a, a work of progress. I mean, when you hear authors say my work in progress, my WIP is, you know, whatever, it really truly is. And most of it's in our head all the time. If we can't get it out somehow on paper or visual, then it just lives there. And sometimes it could die there. Because <laughs> I've <laughs> that several times. I'm like, oh, I should have wrote that down or did a memo or something. So that, that's so great. I just visually can see what you're talking about because it's like my dream to go hide myself away for, I don't know if I could do four years, but I, I could be tempted, but hide myself away and work on a book would be so fantastic. So researching, did you do your research prior? Did you have access to internet where you were at so you could do researching or did I definitely, that work That was one thing that I, uh, in, in choosing the little cabin that I did choose, it may have only had an outhouse and, <laughs> and a refrigerator on the, on the porch and a wood cool. for heat, but it had, it had the internet. I, I, I had learned that for me, I want to be able to fact check, especially yeah. a book like like mine that is based in um, scientific possibility and historical um, uh, documents. I wanted to be a, wanted access to that. Yeah, so yeah. I did. I, I did. I think that's great too because you are so remote. You could probably shut it off too when you needed to go take a walk or go get oh, by the absolutely. water, you know, and shut it Ab off. Absolutely, yeah. and then I think it. I think it's an important part of being any kind of creative person is to know that electronics can be kind of a time suck. And, oh, and they are. are. And <laughs> if you really want to have time to write that book or make that painting or uh, whatever your pursuit is, um, I taught myself to play the mandolin while, during that time because I needed something to do that wasn't looking at a screen. Yeah. I yeah. was working on a laptop and I yeah. thought I just want something and I wanted 
the sound and uh, and so that was you know something I did in my spare time so, I, so I, I never got particularly good but let but me just learn say but new. I could play a few songs and yeah, and yeah. have some fun with it which is oh, that's so fantastic well you are my inspiration not that I'm going to retire and, and do this even though it is a dream of mine my husband would like us to take off and go to Hawaii but that means he would be there with me and it would be distracting so I would never get anything done <laughs> <laughs> and the grandkids probably will never let us do it now. So, so, but we'll see. Um, so I love that story though, because my two favorite places is San Juan Islands and Vashon Island. Um, when I grew up, my dad would, um, we had a boat, we'd go to the San Juan Islands in the summer and spend time in the boat in the coves and have very good fond memories of that. And um, I'm always drawn towards water. So you are my inspiration. Maybe someday I will get to experience something like that. So did you, when you got back with your, your draft, what was the process for you? Did you have a writer's group that you kind of got together with? Did you, are you part of any kind of associations? How did you process that first draft into the product for publication? Because not all my listeners know this. We never publish our first draft. That's never a good idea. (laughs) not and I had you know I had the wonderful good fortune to have many um, friends some of them are authors and so we often would share with each other um, uh, things that we were working on as well as some very good um, some very close family members who I shared early drafts with and you know um, that was very helpful because they could give me feedback about things that were working and, and ideas. And it was, that, that was real, that was really helpful. That's great. I love that. Um, I have felt my writer's group is fantastic. And I, they invited me in when I was first starting a draft of another book and I've been with them for four years. And um, I told you this. And so my podcast listeners are going to probably hear this for the first time, unless you read my newsletter, I'm taking a creative sabbatical here very soon um, with the onset of our new grandbaby coming early. And, you know, I'm just kind of feeling like I need to stop everything everything podcast the author's library and all that and just focus on researching my book that I have in my head and writing it because I as you know if we don't do it it'll never happen if we don't like put that stop button on everything else so um I so I told my writers group today I emailed them and said hey I'm going to be taking some time to myself I don't have a timeline and they're all so super supportive so you know when you have great support around you when they are supportive of you taking that creative time to yourself because they know they're going to get the benefit. They're going to get to read what you wrote. (laughs) So I love that you had your groups. Um, Before we launch Gigi into your reading, let's um, do this. Since I have a lot of um, people that listen to this podcast that will find you at the month that it's released and even down the road. um, And I get comments all the time. Your podcast has been so inspiring to me. Um, It's helped me to learn how to do this writing process and publishing process. Let me ask you this. What is a tip you would like to share with somebody um, like myself, who's just, you know, kind of floundering in that journey <laughs> to writing, what would be a tip that you would share with us? I think the number one, um, or at least one of the top three or four things that I would share with uh, aspiring writers is the importance of giving it your very best um, time. So like I go to work every day after coffee. So that's my that's my time that I'm most productive 
and I and I write anywhere, you know, from three to seven hours. So I treat it like a job. And I think that's, you know, that makes the difference between having an idea of becoming a writer and becoming a writer. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Your very best time. And I think that really speaks to people knowing themselves well and when they're most productive, because I started out trying to do it to writing after work, when my husband went to bed, turn the TV off. Well, I figured out I was very spent at that point. (laughs) I was like, oh man, if I have to open up this computer. So for me, my best time is in the morning after I get up and take the dogs for a walk and get my cup of tea. And I've had a little bit of exercise, but not too much that I've tired myself out, but the dogs are quiet and the world is quiet if I get up early enough and then I can produce that, whatever I need to produce. So I love that. So such a great tip. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you first sit down to write, just adding to that, it's very, it can be very difficult. And uh, you know, just to sit down and do it consistently is one of the most difficult parts. So I really encourage people to warm up by beginning that pro. Just start the habit, even if the habit is only you. You set the timer and you write for ten minutes every day when with your tea when you get back from your walk. But it's the habit that becomes important and that you can build into. You know, that ten minutes will turn into a half an hour as you get deeper into an hour before you know it. I have to actually stop myself some days because I am like, Gail, if you, if you keep working, if you keep Uh, writing, you are never going to sleep because I I kind of become, you know, one dimensional and I, uh, I don't like to do that. So I I do stop, I do pull the plug at seven hours, but, but it is, it is a muscle. You build it just like you do any, any other muscle. Yeah, I love it. Well, such great advice. I'm I'm contemplating building around my new during my time off from everything else, where how that's going to work into. I, I laugh because I, I say I'm going to concentrate on my family, my current day job, because I haven't left mine yet, and just writing. And I'm like, that's three things, but that's like enough. And some people are like, you're going to try to do all that. I'm like, but I had a podcast. I had another book I was working on. I'm like, yes, that's going to be enough. (laughs) So, so working that in there. So awesome advice. So let's dig into the story. Um, My listeners absolutely love when authors read a little bit of their book and it can be whatever you want to read. So if you have some backstory you need to share with us, I'll let you do that. Um, if you have introduction, whatever you need to do to get us into the group, I'm going to go on mute because the dogs are in the studio and they've been very quiet today, but we never know when that's going to happen. They're working. <laughs> and then when you're done with this, with your reading, Gigi, I'll take us out of the podcast. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll just share that the story, as I mentioned, a history book falls out of time and place, a history book from the future falls out of time and place and into this family's home library. And they um, are uh, first. The first person who finds it is the mom. Uh, her name is Joyce, and she, she and the cat begin to read the book together. And and it has, you know, it. I don't. Listeners should understand. I mean, this book doesn't. I don't pull any punches about what might happen if um, we don't take action to right some of the situations, particularly with regard to the climate crisis that we're in. But um, so she's looking at it first and she's kind of trying to keep the, her family safe. 
uh, from reading it. And she's worried about it. She's worried about the future, but she's curious too. She, she can't quite leave it alone. And she is left to go for a walk and her daughter, the book magically appears in her daughter's room and alone, and the cat is there with her daughter. Her daughter's name is Grace. So I'll read from there. Plato touched his cold black nose to Grace's arm, sending a small shiver down her spine. As she started to read, she settled down on the pillow. He settled down on the pillow next to her and began to purr. In the spring of 2142, the world prepared to celebrate 100 years of peace. Lee stepped off the boat as it silently docked alongside the wharf. His solar-powered engines shut down. The large white sails that collected energy were already furling automatically into place. The flag of the world, the round image of Earth from space, floated in the breeze. It was the enduring symbol of the oneness of humanity and the shared commitment to stewardship of the Earth. Lee had taken a vow of austerity, the same vow all public representatives took. But the basket she was carrying was still heavy. It contained documents and a few personal items. But the most important things Lee carried were in her heart and mind. The documents in her basket were light in comparison with her words. As a speaker, she was practiced in the art of remembering details. Her early work as a keeper of stories had helped train her already keen mind. Sometimes she wished she could forget things. It would be easier. As Lee walked down the long wharf, her indigo robe fluttered open, revealing the talking stick tucked into her belt. Stepping to the ground, she knelt alongside the other travelers. She was greeted by volunteers, young and old, who were moving among the new arrivals like honeybees. They were passing out water for the little ceremonies taking place all around her. Copies of the Universal Bill of Rights and Responsibilities was be, were being handed out, too, for those not already carrying them. A young volunteer offered Lee both. She smiled and gestured her gratitude, but she only accepted the water. She was already carrying a special copy of the Universal Bill of Rights and Responsibilities, the same copy she had been carrying with her for over 30 years. Kneeling on the ground, Lee placed her talking stick in front of her. She poured a little of the water out onto the earth where she knelt. To which we all belong, she said simply. Then she repeated the words she had said so many times, words that were being echoed around her by the other new arrivals. Water, water, cleanse my mind. Make me peaceful. Make me kind. Water, water, cleanse my soul. Make me peaceful. Make me whole. Shall I read a little more? Is that about right? That is perfect and beautiful. I can see you are a poet because I see your little poet <laughs> weaving in there. <laughs> no, I love that. How absolutely beautiful and intriguing. I want to know more. So you guarantee I'll be adding this to my reading list because it sounds like something right up my alley. And I do think it's something we all should be reading right now. <laughs> we need that, right? So, so, so. I so hope Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing your work with us and um, and encouraging me in the process and um, my other listeners um, that are tuning in. So listeners, listen, if you were intrigued by what you heard from Gigi in this book, make sure you jump on her website. So 
This book will be available on your website, correct? I want to make sure. It's available on my website or just if you Google Gigi Kellner with an N, K E L L N E R, mm-hmm. um, it'll come up all over the internet. It's it's available everywhere books are sold from Amazon to Bookshop, Barnes and Noble, Target. You can get it in India. You can get it in, in you know, with few, if you have ru- spare rupees in your pocket, <laughs> you have you can get it in Australia, the UK. It's all out all over the world in mid April. So thanks so much for that. And yeah, it'd be great. Follow me um, on social media, Instagram at Hope A History of the Future with little dash. I don't know what those little bottom dashes are called. They have a name in between the words or or just uh, look for me anywhere on the internet. I'm not too hard to find. Great. And before we go, since I'm going to try to get this around the time of April, is there any upcoming events that individuals might be able to find you at? Well, I am going to be um, running a workshop at the University of Washington for the um, Plato Society, which stands for um, uh, the Philosophical Inquiry with Children. And that will be uh, at the end of June. So, uh, again, that's the Plato Society at the University of Washington. And the name of my book is Hope, a History of the Future. Thank you, Gigi, for being here. I appreciate it. And I hope listeners let her know you heard her on the podcast and grab her book and read it and write a review for sure. So thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Vicki. And good luck with your book, upcoming book. I want to hear when it comes out. Thank you. I'll let everybody know. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you jump on the show notes and find the author, buy their books, write a review. And most importantly, you can find out more about me and my projects at one of my two websites, www.squishpin.com or theautherslibrarian.com. And until next time, this is Vicki J. Carter, the Authors Librarian, signing off.